What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. Today's episode is going to be a double trouble edition because I'm joined by my guys, Ian Begley of SMY and Stefan Bondi of the New York Daily News. And all three of us are going to break down a big offseason ahead for the New York Knicks, including what's next for the futures of Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. We'll touch on Josh Hart's free agency, a potential extension for Emmanuel quickly, or whether he could be trade bait over the summer. Derek Rose's future, Tom Thibodeau, and a little bit more. Fellas, appreciate you joining me in studio. How you both doing? All good, my friend. All good. Happy to be with you. Hey, I'm great over here, and uh, I always love talking to my two of my favorite people. Love it. You're all <laughs> you're all paisans in my book. I'm unofficial. <laughs> I'll take that honorary. I'll take it. That's it. You know, we'll 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 break down whether these are uh, Nambly Don Sicilian Calabres and everything on another pod. But we, guys, I mean, look, we we just I came... come from the softest part of Italy. The softest. <laughs> oh man, I love you guys. And I, I watch Goodfellas a lot, so that makes me <laughs> part of the crew, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh man. Well, we had just gotten. Uh, done seeing each other at the garden and now uh looking ahead towards the summer the uh the last time I saw Nick's brass was in Chicago at the draft combine saw uh Tom Thibodeau there and and the rest of Nick's brass and management so they got a lot of decisions to make and um I guess we'll start off with with Julius Randle I mean um this is a guy that in two playoff trips with the Knicks I looked up the stats the other day and he's shooting a combined 34.4% from the field overall and 28.3% from downtown. I mean, you know, this playoffs, he battled some ankle injuries during the playoffs. Um, and it, it's an interesting dynamic with him and, and Knicks fans in particularly, as you guys know, you get flooded in your mentions with it all the time. Um, I look at him as a guy that's, He's a top 30 player. He's an all-star two of the past three years. And I do think his cap number is better than people think. Uh, definitely looks better with the CBA going up. Um, you know, I'm talking with like Nick's brass and front office members, you know, they value his toughness and uh, his ability to, to stay on the court. Uh, this is a guy that's played 71 or more games in three consecutive seasons, you know, which is something I think that's notable in the load management era. But uh, given the way that uh, the past two playoff stints have gone for him, I wanted to get your thoughts, fellas, on whether Julius is a guy that ultimately, looking ahead, is going to be a, a continued part of this core going forward, or do you look for the Knicks to uh, consider dangling him in, in trade discussions uh, over the summer? To me, I think it's going to be tough for them to find the value they would, the, the way that they value him. And with his cap number, I could see him coming back. But I did want to throw it your way to to you guys to get your thoughts on it. Go, go for it, Begs. Now you go first. <laughs> All right. I agree with you in a lot of respects. I think that they're going to have trouble finding um, value for him the way that they value him. And uh, you bring up great points about his durability. I mean, this is a guy who averaged 25 and 10, and he wants to play all the time. Um, with that being said, 
there are clear issues with um how do I put it his his attitude um and the way that he kind of handles criticism and the way that he's um kind of looked at in the locker room I think and I don't know if that certainly those are fixable issues those are issues that um he addressed in the last offseason and it seemed like it was trending towards the right direction until later on in this season where you know things got a little haywire he started doing the things again where he um started yelling at his teammates during the game and you know taking out all referees and and uh security guard um and you know it kind of spilled over into the playoffs and i realized the ankle issue was apparent it was there it, it was real and it affected his game um but i, I think his his poor showing in the playoffs leaves you to question whether this guy is the guy to lead you to the next step. And that's where the Knicks are. They're ready for the next step. And in terms of um, listening to trade offers, I am sure they're going to listen to whatever they, they get. They, you know, is, is, is told to them this off season. Uh, But like you, I don't think there's going to be a situation where they hear something and say, you know what, that's where we, that's something we got to pull the trigger with Julius Randle. Yeah, I, I'm with both you guys on the uh, the chance of a trade happening. I think it's not going. It's only going to happen if you're bringing. He's part of a package. You're bringing back, you know, a top top ten player, or whatever you want to call it, a top player that's uh, head and shoulders above Julius Randle. But I do think, though, in the big picture sense, like we always talk about, then eventually trading for a star, you know, cashing in their chips for a top player. I think if you're going to do that, you know that player is coming to play with Jalen Brunson. And let's assume that player needs the ball in their hands and is going to take shots. I I have trouble seeing how once you acquire that player, it's going to work with Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, and Julius Randle. So I just think it has to be one of – I assume it has to be one of Barrett or Randle that would not be here if and when they do acquire that superstar. So that's the scenario where, you know, I could see Randall getting moved, but just to get to do anything, just to get him off the roster, that's not going to happen unless someone else takes over the team because they, as you guys said, they value Julius. There's a personal connection with Julius and uh, William Wesley and Leon Rose. I just don't see them just kind of discarding him just because of what happened in the postseason. But Monty, the thing I have, Question I have for you is like, I still can't figure out how there were times in the second round where he was moving. He was getting out to shooters. He was rotating. He was, it looked like he was going, you know, 100% on his, on his ankle. But then there were stretches where it didn't look like he was at all. Like he wasn't moving. He was very slow on rotation, slow to get out to a shooter. I just can't figure that out. I haven't asked around a ton about it, but. I can't square that. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, so it's impossible. I I feel like we've had this conversation about Julius Randle for so long now, but it's impossible to get in his head. But what it looks like from the outside and from what it looks like, you know, having watched this guy, you know, for years now is he lets miss shots or not getting the ball, whatever he lets his offense dictate his, 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 um, his effort. And and when things are not going well for him, 
for whatever reason, it could be because he's not getting the ball enough or shots not falling or whatever is going on in his head, it affects him and he does and he stops trying as hard. And that is not that is not something you want, a character trait you want in one of your best players. And it's something that he absolutely needs to figure out. I'd agree yeah. with I'd agree with you guys. I just think too, when you look at kind of like what stars they can look to bring and if they were going to make a front court move. And it's like, you know, obviously because he's a CAA guy, Carl Towns gets linked to the Knicks. However, I think there's a, an element here that kind of gets overlooked, uh, which is Tom Thibodeau coached Towns previously in Minnesota. And I don't know for the both of them. It's a genuine question I have. I, I don't know how much the two of them would want to reunite together. It's just, just a question, not one way or the other, just a question. And then the other thing is like, Steph, you touched on, um, you know, you had quoted, I think, uh, Keith Pompey's tweet about, you know, when Harden uh, potentially going to Houston and how, you know, Joel Embiid is a guy to keep an eye on uh, for the Knicks. Certainly, I think I would say Joel Embiid would be a guy to keep an eye on for, you know, 29 teams. And I'm, I'm busting your chops, but you know what I'm saying? Like he's yeah. the guy like that hits the market. Theoretically, if that happened and I'm Philly. If that happened, theoretically, I would be looking at one, if I'm Joel, I think he's always had an affinity for Jimmy Butler. And I, if I'm Philly then and, and Harden leaves, then do you call Miami and ask for Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero and um, other pieces there, you know? Because you're talking about, I, I I don't remember if there's ever been, I'd have to look up, I don't know this off the top of my head, if there's been an MVP that's been moved. I think, you know, Daryl Morey's always struck me as a guy that acquires stars. He doesn't really trade them unless he's getting another star back. Um, so I'd be curious with that, but I'm in the same boat as you guys. I don't think Randall, it, even with all the picks the Knicks have, and this is another issue that I think gets overlooked, the, the picks that the Knicks have from the other teams, they're, they're good. I don't know if they have as much value though, and, and New York's own picks now are declining in value because they're ascending as a team. Jalen Brunson has made them a lot better of a team. Um, it used to be, you know, years ago that people wanted those picks. Now, I think like they're, they're still valuable, but not as valuable because they took a step forward. And, you know, Ian, I'll make this transition off of one of your points that if New York kind of makes a move for a star, you're, you, it would be tough for them to put a star with Brunson, Randall, and Barrett. So, uh, you know, we touched a little bit on Julius. When you look at RJ, uh, you know, during the playoffs, RJ Barrett worked with his trainer, Drew Hanlon, to make some mechanical adjustments to his shot, uh, which definitely helped. He shot 47% from the field and 36% from downtown in his last nine playoff games, and he averaged 21 points. Looked like a guy fulfilling expectations of a, a third overall pick. Um, so when you look at RJ, I, I think there are plenty of people on Nick's Twitter and in the, in the Nick spaces I have ventured in um, that will that will die on a statue outside of Madison Square Garden to make sure that that guy doesn't get traded. But to me, I mean, we all saw it over the summer last year when the Donovan Mitchell trade talks were happening. Um, it's a possibility. Um, so with that said. I'll turn it to the both of you. Do you do you both see RJ Barrett back next year 
Or can you see the Knicks trying to sell high on him after uh, the conclusion of his playoff run? Well, I mean, we know that they're going to at least listen if teams call, right? That's at least going to be the case based on last summer when, you know, some people in the front office were more than willing to include him in talks and to flip him for Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, Leon Rose decided at the end of the day not to do that. But I don't think that that means that he's in any way off the table. I mean, there's there's a few um, kind of voices in that front office and I think that some of those voices would still be open to moving up but I think you know, I think it just depends on who, like which who are you trading for what position is that player what team is that player coming from what does that team need but I certainly don't think that you know based on past history Mike you said it based on last summer I wouldn't think that they would put RJ Barrett off limits in any talks yeah, and I think this is a question of what, what, which player does the other team value more if you're going to make that trade? Because if you're making the R.J. Barrett trade, you're going to, you know, like we talked about with Julius Randle, you're going to be bringing back a star. And um, does that team, would that team rather have Julius Randle or would that team rather have R.J. Barrett? And, you know, you look at the regular season, the answer would be Julius Randle. If you look at the playoffs, the, the answer would be R.J. Barrett. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, they have similar salaries. So, you know, it's I think it's a question of what that other team would prefer as well. well time will tell on that. I mean, look, I think obviously RJ is a totally different player when he's shooting the ball well. Um, I think he needs to uh, listen. I You know, Drew Hanlon's done some good work with guys from Tyrese Halliburton to Zach Levine. He's worked with Joel Embiid. Um you know, if I'm R.J. Barrett, I'm I'm having Drew Hanlon there a little bit more. He certainly did good work with him and got his confidence right. Big summer ahead for him. Um, you don't usually see R.J. Barrett in a ton of these like off-season runs or anything like that. Um, I'm curious if he shows up on uh, some of those games more, maybe get some better reps. Because as we've, we've all known, like to start the year um, takes him a little bit of time to to warm up it's almost like uh i don't know like a chicken pot pie that you got to put in the microwave for a little bit there and wait on it um and then and then <laughs> well, he, well he lives in, doesn't he live in canada like they're not having many runs up, up north like that well uh, you know listen i yeah and i mean i'm sure like you know he'll do some stuff like national team wise and things like that yeah. but at the same time i think like you know you don't gotta spend the whole summer up there yeah but uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was a ter- that was a terrible Canadian accent, bro. <laughs> hey man, I, I could do we could do a lot more. Um, I I like to think I do a better, you know, better Tibbs yelling and screaming at everybody at the at the refs and and RJ, you know, get back, get back. You hey, know, can I back can I back up for a second too? Yeah, we sure. were talking. You were talking about Carl Anthony Towns, and I and this is something. I mean, that rumor's been out there for a long time, and if nothing has changed in the past few years and they might have a couple years they might have but i i had heard you know unequivocally that tom would have no problem coaching carl anthony towns again that's big that's big yeah. what i'm just curious how recent was that that was maybe two years ago so things could have changed but um i mean these carl anthony towns have been, rumors have been around for a while and when i did check in on that um the answer was absolutely he would have no problem coaching him again Interesting. I, I would I mean, love to circle back on that a little closer to now, but I, yeah. I, I hear you. 
Carl's dad was at Leon Rose's first game as, as Nick president. So yes. there's a strong, strong relationship there. But uh, from what I've heard, um, just a couple of people in touch with them, they felt like the temperature was a little down on, on the interest in Carl Towns compared to, you know, where it was er, very early on with the, in the Leon Rose's tenure. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see what happens this summer, but I think, you know, how do you get better if you're the Knicks? Are you doing some minor tweaks? You're hoping our internal improvement, uh, gets it done or are you making a big swing? And, um, I think I would assume that this is the summer to make the big swing because the next year when that new CBA kicks in, it's, it's a little more onerous to make, uh, a big deal, big trade. There's like more restrictions. At least that's what our guy Bobby Marks told me. So uh, I just wonder if this is the summer for them to do it. You you said only because you cut out for a sec that they're. What was the temperature for for the Knicks with Towns now? Down a little bit from okay. where it was initially. Well, to your point too about making trades. So uh, you look at a guy. I think they're going to have to make a decision on in Emmanuel quickly whether they're going to extend him or you know, put him as part of a bigger trade package. He certainly increased his value um, after being a finalist for the six man of the year award um, on the season overall, you know, and talking to people around the league, this is what I've kind of gathered as far as looking at his, um, his value at worst, his floor would be four years, 80 million. That's it. That's at the worst. um, I would say then you're getting into a conversation of, whether it's are we talking realistically to make sense for quickly? Is it in the four for one hundred range, or does he think this is a question? Does he think he's worth more around that Jordan Pool range, where it's closer to thirty million a year? Because Jordan Pool was a a good scorer off the bench, um, and I'll say this when quickly started um he played well started 21 games he averaged 22 and a half points 47 percent from the field 40 percent from three five and a half rebounds 5.1 assists pretty good numbers um you know obviously uh you know i get the sense that quickly enjoys his time in new york he would he'd want to be there and i think the question comes down to whether the team wants to whether Nick Express wants to keep the uh, team together. You look at, um, you know, we always talk about relationships with the Knicks. Um, Quickly's agent, Raymond Brothers, has a, a, re- a close relationship with Scott Perry. Uh, they used to have clients together when uh, when Scott was with the Orlando Magic, et cetera. Um, I think that's, to me, where it's interesting. Again, for Quickly, four for 80 is the absolute floor the question then becomes, is it in that four for 100 range on a potential extension? Did the Knicks have an appetite for that? Or um, does he think he can get more than that closer to the to the Jordan Poole range? To me, I think it's, in my opinion, probably more to the uh, four for 100, maybe a little bit more. But, you know, we'll see. You got to look at guys around the league that are making around that $25 million mark. And, um, you know, it's tough for the Knicks because you got like Randall kind of a little bit above that. You got RJ a little bit above that. You know, 
where do you pay quickly? Because then that 25 million, especially if you're looking ahead four years from now, that 25 million is going to be worth less because the cap is going up. So just some food for fodder. But uh, what do you guys think? Ex- quickly get an extension done before next season or does he get uh, mentioned in some trade talks again as he did last summer in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes? Yeah, I think any team that calls them on a significant trade is going to be asking about Emmanuel quickly. So I think it comes down to, are they going to make that big move this summer or are they going to, are they going to wait? Are they just looking at incremental improvements? And if you're doing that, you're going to try to get quickly back on a number that you feel comfortable with and he feels comfortable with. But if you're, if you're going big swing, I mean, you have to at least be open to including him in that deal because as I said, he's, he's one of your top uh, young players and he took a big step forward this season. Uh, so I think it just depends on which direction they go in, where they plan to go in ultimately. And I haven't heard anything definitive yet in terms of them being all in on a trade or, or just being conservative as they have been most often under Leon Rose. Uh, but I think, yeah, just that's where it hinges for Emmanuel quickly. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks got to be careful here because – so they're going to pay Josh Hart. That's a given. Um if you st- if you lock it, I mean the numbers you're throwing out there for quickly are kind of ridiculous. Like you're trying to make him. I mean, if he gets Jordan Poole money, he's the highest paid player on this team. And now you got Jalen Brunson on a on a big contract. You got uh, Julius Randle on a big contract. R.J. Barrett on a big contract. Josh Hart on a big contract. Emmanuel Quickly, and that's your squad. Then you're locked in on that. Um, is that? I mean, I get it. You're getting incrementally better, and there are ways to maneuver around. But the Knicks, if they're going to throw that kind of number at Emmanuel quickly, um, they got to be careful because now you're locked into a squad, and it's going to be a lot harder to maneuver. Yeah, I mean, look, I again, I think it's probably for both sides if it lies closer and potentially that four for a hundred range. But time will tell. You did mention about them paying Josh Hart. I know you asked me previously when we were at MSG, what do I think is a range for Josh Hart? I previously touched on it a little bit in one of my Intel pieces on Hoops Hype that like executives I've spoken to think he gets somewhere in that 15 to $18 million a year uh, annual salary. So if I had a guesstimate where I think it's ultimately going to go, I, I could see Hart getting a little bit higher on that towards the $18 million a year mark, just because of the way the cap is going up. Obviously Tom Thibodeau loves him. Uh, CAA guy, the works, but um, you know, obviously at the NBA draft combine in Chicago, the buzz from uh, whether it was the Knicks rival executives and even rival agents, which I think is important because they've got to know the landscape was that Josh Hart was going to resign with the Knicks. Um, I think four years, $72 million for him um, would seemingly be, I don't know if I'd call it best case scenario, but it would be uh, optimal, I think, or or ideal. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's that's about the number I'd heard, four, four for 70, four for 75 in that range. Um, and, you know, I think it's, you know, he – he did a tremendous job when he first came to things. I mean, he changed the season, just his acquisition. And then, you know, that first round against Cleveland, he was tremendous. 
And then in the second round, you know, there were moments where it's like, okay, he's exposed a little because he he, he can't hit the uh, three-pointer at the level that you need somebody in that position to do. So, you know, I, I think I think that number sounds right. I think it's um, it's good for what the Knicks need from him. And, yeah, that that's, that's the way I see it going. Yeah, you guys covered it. You guys covered it. I would just say, um, Bobby Marks pointed out that if you get him at 16 to 17, the Knicks have the, you know, option to remain under that tax threshold, which might be important to them long term. So that's just something to point out with regards to numbers. And Josh Hart had my favorite quote of the season because he was asked like five different ways over the first two weeks of him being here, like, does he see himself being here long term? And every time he answered was a variation of yes. And then uh, one time he was asked, he was like, he said, yeah, I hope I can touch Leon's pockets. Like, we'll see. <laughs> so that was, that was my favorite quote of the year. <laughs> Directly to Leon Rose. Yeah. And it, it helps him that Jalen, I mean, him and Jalen Brunson are best, best buds. And right now Jalen Brunson is a franchise player and that certainly helps. Could, yep. Couldn't agree more. Um, He's also beloved by Tom Thibodeau. I, I think if you're out there and, uh, you know, you're dating, whether you're looking on Hinge or Bumble, I think you want to find somebody that looks at you the way that Tom Thibodeau looks at Josh Hart, quite frankly. Um, there is there is a gaze in his eyes for that guy. Um, you know, Tom Thibodeau, uh, you know, I know Knicks fans equally have things, you know, every time after a Knicks game, whether it's the playoffs or not, um, Tibbs is probably a trending topic on Twitter. Uh, for whether it's nationally or the Knicks sometimes, depending on how big the game is. Um, I don't see Tom Thibodeau going anywhere. And he was in Chicago with Nick Express uh, for the NBA Draft Combine. I only bring this up because I know certainly there are some Knicks fans out there that um, have had a lot to say about him on uh, Twitter. I get a kick out of it personally, but um, I think he's been one of the better coaches they've had uh given his track record over the past few years and uh, certainly since Mike Woodson. Um, I don't think we got to touch too long on this, but your thoughts, fellas? I don't yeah, think he's I'll good. good. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, like, Leon Rose had the green light to let him go the middle of last year when they were struggling going into the All-Star break. I think he would have had the green light to let him go if when they started 10-13, and they, they kept losing. And in both instances, obviously, Leon Rose did not do that. He stuck by Tom Thibodeau. So I can't see a scenario short of James Dolan forcing the issue to uh, where Leon Rose would fire Tom Thibodeau. And I can't see James Dolan forcing the issue because it wouldn't make any sense. Uh, So, yeah, he's going to be the coach at the start of the 23-24 season. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, it's it's no shame – Losing as as you can see, this Heat team's pretty good, um, and Thibodeau outcoached um, JB Bickerstaff, and it's no shame to get outcoached by Spolster, which is kind of what happened there. Um, and you know, I understand that there are Knicks fans who feel like Thibodeau is not the proper coach for player development and all that stuff. I would actually disagree on that. I think he's done a f- g- tremendous job with player development with this team. Um, everybody's gotten better. I know a lot of people want to point to Obi Toppin, and he's maybe the one outlier. But you look at Quentin Grimes. This was a late first-round pick. You look at um, 
Emmanuel Quickly, a late first round pick. These are guys that are, are young players that he gave a, a significant chance to, and they've all exceeded expectations. And Mitchell Robinson's gotten better as well. So, you know, I, I think he's done a tremendous job. And the last thing the Knicks need is another coaching change because we've seen over the last 20 whatever years, um, the constant turnover has not been good for the franchise. The grass is not always greener on the other side. I agree with the both of you. Um, you know, obviously for Tibbs, uh, an interesting decision he he made this year was um, to put Derrick Rose in more of that veteran mentor role and and give other players a shot at, at the point guard spot coming off the bench. Um, you know, when I was in Chicago for the combine, some NBA executives uh, were wondering how much gas he still has left in the tank. For me, I think obviously he's got a huge uh, number looking ahead towards next season. Um, his player option, excuse me, excuse me, team option. Sorry. I want to make that uh a distinction. The team option next year is is fifteen point six million dollars. That's a lot of money for a guy that was seldom used. Um, you would imagine the Knicks decline that. Um, I think this is this is an opinion, and I'm going to make that clear because I know we have all our f- friends out there that are aggregators in the world of Twitter. In my opinion, I think it would be interesting to see the Chicago Bulls make a run at Derrick Rose in free agency if he hits it ultimately because be a nice little homecoming for him if this is towards the end of his career. Um, We saw when he was back in town how beloved he is still by that fan base. Uh, They will be missing Lonzo Ball. Um, And if the team is trying to compete and win, I think he is an excellent bridge in the sense that he would be a great veteran mentor to some of those young guys that they have on that roster. And I do think he still has some gas left in the tank. I'm not sure... uh, what type of fossil fuel it would be, but I do think he's got some gas in the tank. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, but, yeah, I, I, you know, obviously he's, they're not going to pick up that team option and he's going to hit free agency. Um, I, I don't know how much gas he has in the tank because we haven't seen him play at all. Um, other than, you know, in the last few seconds, sometimes when the crowd is egging them on. Um, but, you know, I, what I'm disappointed in is that his chestable, his um his chess tournament was canceled, so I was really looking forward to that. I know he was looking forward to that, but I found out today that it was um, postponed, and uh, so that's disappointing. And, and as far as the Bulls, I could totally see that because when dude when we were in the United Center, I mean that that fan base they and, and and mind you, this is for the opposing team. It's not for the Bulls. That fan base was going crazy for Derrick Rose, absolutely crazy. And you know it's a great hometown story. You know the kid that grew up there and, and became the youngest MVP of, of um, in, in the NBA history to go back there. I think it would be a, you know, a, a cool thing for Derek and for that franchise. Yeah. You guys covered it all. I would just add that. I think some Milwaukee people had some interest at Derek in Derek uh, during the season. And so I could see that being an option too. Like if he wants to be close to home, that's still pretty close to home. If that's what he's looking to do. Uh, so yeah, I'm, and also, I do know that um, this probably doesn't mean anything, but I know that um, Jim Dolan, the Nick owner, is a big respects Rose a lot, has a high degree of respect for him. Maybe that means he comes back uh, to the Knicks, but th- th- I think I'm just guessing, right? That he has to have something left in the tank. He has to still be able to really contribute because he was good before he went down and had that uh, ankle surgery that ended his season last year. 
And then in the beginning of the year, preseason, everybody, Leon Rose, Thibodeau, were talking up Derrick Rose and he was in great shape and this and that. And so I have to think just based on logic from there that he could still help somebody. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up this summer. I'm going to miss him if he does sign elsewhere because he's just such a good guy, man. Like for a superstar, for somebody who's known around the world uh, for his basketball skills, just seems like a really humble guy. Always, always cordial with you. Uh, always willing to chat. Just re- really, really appreciate his time just from a media perspective. Yeah, and his son plays, um, or he, he was playing at the Gauchos in the Bronx. So maybe right. he, has some, he has that local tie there as well. Uh, I would certainly miss him like you, bro. He's he's great. Absolutely. Um, speaking of missing guys, um, you know, Evan Fournier at the end of the year, we'll wrap up here, talked about, uh, he told reporters he doesn't think he'll be back uh, next year. Um, a lot of executives around the league were a little bit surprised that he didn't get a lot of playing time for the Knicks because he could still shoot the ball well and given his contract. Um but yeah, when Evan Fournier told reporters he didn't think he'll be back, uh, my immediate mea- reaction was, wee wee. I, I agreed. I, I, <laughs> I couldn't have agreed more. I, I'm pretty confident you guys would say the same interesting salary to try to potentially include in some trade talks this year. I'm looking forward to that. I don't even think we need to discuss it. We know what it is. More importantly, I wanted to thank you guys both for joining me um, on the pod today. I appreciate it. Hey, oh, great to be with you, brother. Yeah, man. Same here. Fellas, I appreciate it, like I said. And I also want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members such as Ian Begley and Stefan Bondi, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. I invite you to do the same thing for my guys. Make sure you're following Ian at Ian Begley and Steph at S Bondi NYDN. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. <laughs>